Simply Abundant, Intuitive Hour. For overthinkers who are finally ready to move from their heads to their hearts for more connected relationships and a fulfilling life. Here's Tracy Crossley. Howdy! How are you all doing? Yeah! Back again! Yes, sirree, folks. Here I am talking about another topic. And this is episode number 304. 304. Wow, hard to believe. Okay, so this topic is really funny, but not funny in a ha-ha, let's go roll down the the mountain, you know, rolling in somersaults, laughing our asses off. Yeah, don't do that. It's It's not that funny. It's funny in a different way. It's funny in the, but disappointment might kill me kind of way. And that's how I used to feel. I don't know about you guys, but... I pretty much did a dance around everything and anything to avoid feeling disappointment. Although at the time, I didn't know that's what I was avoiding. I was just trying to avoid the feeling of disappointment and didn't know what that was. I thought it would consume me. I thought it would chew me up, eat me for dinner and spit me out. So for many of us, we think, hey, there's a lot of emotions I cannot handle. I mean, half the shit we strategize and do is because we think we can't handle what might happen. Maybe you don't think you can handle a breakup. Maybe you don't think you can handle any kind of a loss, like loss of a person, status, money, a job, you name it. Or maybe you can't handle criticism, or you think you can't. I mean, so many of us put up a wall right away, right? We don't even know what we can handle. We're just so used to throwing up that wall so we don't have to feel or figure it out. And so you might think you can't handle your negative emotions. You're afraid you might be swallowed up by them. You may think you can't handle being alone. All of those things that we try to keep up in the air, like we're we're juggling a bunch of balls in the air, are so that we can avoid the disappointment. And that is what I'm talking about. Like the inevitable loss, let's say, and the feelings we have around it, right? Even if it's not loss of a person, it's a loss. And we just can't handle the disappointment. We're afraid we won't recover. We're afraid... Once it hits us, we're going to stay down. And for some people, that's what happens. They stay down. So instead of moving forward, you have a fear of disappointment that keeps you stuck. So it's not even the disappointment that keeps you stuck. It's the fear of it. And that's the opposite of emotional resiliency, where your belief that you're going to be able to handle things, whether, you know, life is throwing you a curveball, a fastball, a knuckleball, you know, I used to play softball a lot. Uh, I love baseball. So yeah, I can go with those references. Yeah, it's kind of like you don't know what life's going to throw you, but you're afraid I just can't handle it. So you'll strategize and strategize. And it's not the avoiding of the disappointment. It's going through it and knowing you're going to be okay is the catch, right? Emotional resiliency is what you have and you don't think you have. Most of us do and we don't realize it. Until life gives us no choice and puts us through the ringer. And then we find that, hey, I survived and maybe I'm even thriving because I decided to be aware of what was going on, take my responsibility for what was happening in my life and grow from it. But a lot of us don't even have that feeling because we're afraid to, because we're afraid to actually feel what is going on with ourselves. And so that can lead you to being really stuck, right? But the opposite of that is emotional freedom. And that to me is what you want because 
Once you're emotionally resilient, you're able to take risks that previously you would never do because you were so afraid of the disappointment, right? You just stay stuck in that fear. So emotional resiliency and emotional availability really do go hand in hand because it's a huge turning point for you in emotional growth. Because you have to be able to do this if you ever want things to be different. Seriously, if you do, you want to have a different experience of life, of relationships, then you got to do it. So I'll give you an example. Let's say that, of course, our favorite thing to look at, dysfunctional relationships, right? Uh, For two different perspectives, with emotional resiliency and let's say without it, right? Okay. So if you're not emotionally resilient or believe it, okay, believe that you're not emotionally resilient, even though you might be, you just don't know it yet. You're probably going to do whatever it takes to hang on to a relationship that sucks ass because you're afraid of the loss and disappointment if you lose it. You think I'm totally fucked if I don't have Herbie, right? I think of Herbie, I think of Herbie the love bug. But anyways, so you think you're totally screwed. You can't see beyond that loss. It's like it's going to be the end of you. You don't even know. Like you can't even see it. It's like a bad car crash in your future if you lose this person who you really don't have a functional relationship with, right? Because logically, you know, there's something else out there. You're knowing that you're capable or more capable of a better relationship, right? But you might not believe it or feel it emotionally. So you live in a space of scarcity and you stay in the relationship because you're afraid there's nothing better for you. You settle. I have clients that do this. I have clients that will struggle to stay with what sucks. And I know it sounds horrible When you say that to people, well, you struggle to stay with what sucks, but the people that are stuck there can't help it or believe they can't help it because they are that afraid. And until they're ready to take courage, meaning, you know, strength of heart, not thinking about another strategy to change it, then they're just going to be stuck there. And it happens. And it's not because they're bad or horrible. It's just because it's what they've learned. It's their coping mechanism. It's the, oh my God, I better avoid at all costs. And if you had parents who, let's say, wanted you to be happy all the time or not have emotions or or go through tough times and they tried to fix it for you, I guarantee you, you don't even know if you're emotionally resilient. Because I, I find that I get a lot of people who either had parents that were overprotective or were totally disorganized and maybe abusive, narcissistic, you name it. Okay. So, and it can cause a lot of the same reactions because the bottom line is you don't trust yourself, right? So let's take the other way, you know, two different perspectives with emotional resiliency and the other one being without, well, let's do the without, right? So, or I'm sorry, the with, hello, with. (laughs) I'm thinking about it for a moment. I'm going, wait a minute. Nope. Scarcity happens to be if you do not have emotional resilience. So if you have emotional resilience, I hate to break it to you, but you probably wouldn't be in a bad relationship in the first place. But hey, let's say you were, okay? Let's say you're finding this out about yourself, right? And you're like, holy cow, I just have been so afraid to make a move out of this relationship because I don't feel like there's going to be another one. But let's say you're like, okay, I'm going to take a risk. Or let's say, you know, you, you really are resilient and you don't know how the hell you ended up here, but whatever. So you'd leave. Because you know you'd be okay with or without him. You might be sad. You might be disappointed. You might have to feel your negative feelings. But you know they're not going to kill you or overwhelm you. You know you're going to be okay. In fact, better than okay. And even if it means you'd be alone forever, 
you'd still do it because you would feel like you were helping yourself, right? So what starts to happen is you start to feel a sense of inner peace because you trust you're going to recover. And that's a good thing. Knowing you're not going to be stuck in a pit of despair can give you the strength to let go of what isn't working. And it does. Whenever I would talk to people who were emotionally available, this is what they'd have in common. Well, I don't want my relationship to fail, meaning they're positive, good one. But if it does, I know I'm going to be okay. And, you know, that person's going to be okay. And I'll move on. I'll be sad. I'll be disappointed. But they know it isn't going to be the end of them, right? So you don't live in scarcity, which means you don't settle. And again, you know you're not going to be sucked into the pit of despair and left to die there. You just know it when you're emotionally resilient. So the good news, like I said, that everybody can be emotionally resilient. Absolutely. Even if you didn't know what you needed as a kid, you can give it to yourself as an adult. It just takes a series of small emotional steps. Really, that's it. So you're able to see you can actually handle things. When you can believe in yourself and trust your feelings, even if they feel funky or anxious, you know, that intensity that goes with anxiety, right? It's that it becomes less scary every time you go through things and you have the awareness and you understand, I'm not going to die. This isn't going to kill me. I'm still going to be here. All right. Call to action. Ready? Paper and pen. Let's do it. Emotional resiliency leads to making better choices and taking greater risks because you have an inherent trust that you'll survive. So I got a story to tell about me. Yeah, I hope that didn't hurt your ears when I just did that. So anyways, back in the day, everyone I knew who was in a healthy relationship would say, oh, what I just said. (laughs) I always remember this because it was such a funny thing to me to hear people say, I'm happy in my relationship, but if it went away, I'd be okay. And this is coming from, by the way, this was coming from people who were not previously emotionally available, okay? They were friends of mine that had been unavailable and how we would commiserate and shit in the past, all right? So they had flipped the switch in their own lives and and they would say that because they didn't feel hooked into that intensity, you know, that craziness that says, don't leave me, don't abandon me, or you're the only one left. I mean, that creates intensity. You know, you're holding on for dear life if you think that's the last person you could have a relationship with. So anyway, but for a while, of course, I would say, well, yeah, okay. They would be okay without that person. Oh my God, don't they want it to be where they can't live without them? So I would take it as a negative, like they didn't love their partner enough because to me, a breakup would feel earth shattering, right? like my left lung had been ripped out of my body or something. So it was confusing because I saw them as happy and wanted to feel that someday too. But at the same time, I, I was confused because it was really foreign to me. I had this whole trumped up idea about how it works, right? How attachment, I didn't know it was attachment. I was attached, negatively and securely attached. And all the drama you see playing out in movies, you know, that was what I saw. So I started looking at consistency and showing up, wondering if the, you know, these, these people, um, were right. Right. And that I was wondering, Hmm, if I'm showing up, I'm starting to feel a little bit better, which was hard to do because I had to break my pattern of not showing up. Even though I told myself I always showed up, like I was the person in the relationship who was consistent. 
And I wasn't. I was full of shit. But of course, I was looking at it from the perspective of I was the victim and, you know, he was the perpetrator and that's a fun time, right? So when I stopped doing that and I started to really be consistent because I wanted to be a good partner, whether the relationship worked out or not, I found I was more resilient. I dug more into the disappointment. I didn't run from it. I didn't put a pretty picture on it. I didn't say, oh, I hope this changes in the future. I dealt with what was happening now and where that played a role in my life. And I also had to look at my scarcity issues around men. So the guy that I had the long ass attachment with <laughs> was actually a tremendous teacher. You know, he helped me work through disappointment, scarcity, and much more. Not on purpose, mind you. But with him, I became more ballsy with speaking my truth. And each time he didn't leave, which was what I feared, I grew stronger. And even if he did leave, I still grew stronger because I started having to deal with myself. I made myself. Instead of turning to him, rescue me, rescue me, rescue me, I looked to me and I started noticing that my disappointment didn't kill me and that I could handle things when they didn't go the way I wanted. That was what got easier and easier and allowed me to keep letting go because I kept seeing reality and not like some fantasy of what I wanted it to be. So I decided to be consistent by reaching out when I wanted to talk to him instead of playing games or hoping and praying, when am I going to hear from him? When's he going to you know, contact me? Blah, blah, blah. I stopped doing that shit and I kept showing up and being open even when I wanted to run, regardless of how he showed up, regardless of what he did. It didn't matter how he acted. It didn't matter if he understood. It didn't matter what was going on in terms of him and his reactions. So, you know, there was times where like uh, at one point when I had stopped talking to him, um, I think it was a year later. I'm thinking about this right now. I, I think it was like a year later and I hadn't talked to him and I hadn't seen him or anything. And of course, you know, he shows back up and whenever he would show back up, he always had a habit of it being something about him. Okay. Like it was never, Hey, how are you? And not that he's going to pledge his undying love or anything, but, but it was never something positive for me. It was always somewhere he needed help someone he wanted to talk to about his stuff. And I really, when I stopped talking to him, I stopped talking to him. I did not make myself available to be that in that situation because it didn't serve me in any way, shape or form. And so I just remember seeing his phone number come up as I'm signing the papers for a lease on a house. And I'm thinking, what is he calling for? And my stomach dropped like, ugh. I already knew it was going to be something to do with him. Nothing that was going to make me a happy person, but something that, you know, would work for him, not for me. And and I just knew it. Right or wrong, intuition, patterns, whatever it happened to be. So I could feel that feeling though. And it wasn't like, oh, I'm excited. There was no excitement. Anyways, long story short, uh, it was of course about him. And what he had to say to me was extremely disappointing because it wasn't about the current moment. It was about how I had pictured our relationship. Like if I had any illusion about our relationship and what it had meant, it was like in that phone call, it disappeared because I eventually did talk to him. And, and it was that feeling of like, wow, wow, I had such an illusion still. So I had to deal with the disappointment of that. I had to deal with the disappointment of him contacting me and it being for his own reasons that had absolutely nothing to do with 
any emotional welfare on my behalf. And not that I expected him to do that anyway, but of course you have these leftover moments where you're still not seeing someone so clearly and you're not seeing the situation so clearly and you're not seeing yourself so clearly, you know, and, and it really was like him contacting me, like was kind of like a hit. No, what do you call it? Like being hit over the head with an iron pan. Right. So anyways, I was disappointed and I, and I felt disappointed on the phone and I said, don't ever contact me again. I don't, you know, I don't see a point here. It's always something that is not to my benefit and I don't want to keep putting myself through this and therefore I don't want to do this. And this is like four years ago, right? So something like, I think it was four, fuck, four years ago. Wow. And um, yeah. And so at the time I had my words, I could speak them and this is the best part. So where something like this would have knocked me down for hours, days, weeks, months even, right? Where I couldn't get past it. I'd keep focusing on him and wanting him to come validate me or something. And I didn't. I mean, it lasted a couple hours. And, and I w- wouldn't even say it was like disappointment that was overwhelming me for a couple of hours. It wasn't even that long because I realized I was still okay. I realized I didn't have to be nice or anything to this person. This person didn't need to be in my life at all, right? Because he wasn't. So I felt, I felt a sense of openness and clarity about that. And that was the cool part. So the happy ending, of course, is that through this experience, I developed or knew I was emotionally resilient. I could fucking handle things. So what does that do now? Well, I show up consistently with my husband. I don't hide out. And even if I get triggered or something, I'm still available to have a conversation with him at some point, whether it's not in that moment, but maybe it's 10 minutes later, an hour later. I don't try to build illusions in my marriage. And if my marriage were to end, I would survive. And so would he. It's not that I would go, oh my God, I'm going to curl up in a ball and never recover. And I know he's the same way. And it's not because we don't care or love each other. It's because we care and love ourselves and that our emotional resiliency isn't going to keep us down on the ground forever. So neither of us would ever want that to happen. But there's an internal sense of safety, which allows you to do that with yourself. That's all it is. We don't have to have the fear of total annihilation hanging over us if we were to screw it up. It's not like we're both going to go, I'm going to jump out a window if that were to happen. I mean, that's extreme, but that's really what I'm saying. It's like, nobody's going to jump out a window, but at the same time, we'd be okay. So I sound like the people that I used to listen to say that, right? And it's not, again, not anywhere I want to go. All right. So call to action again. Emotional resiliency leads to making better choices and taking greater risks because you have an inherent trust that you're going to, that, excuse me, that you'll survive. I start saying it differently and I don't want I don't want to do that to you because that'll fuck up your whole CTA. All right. Why is this important? Well, without emotional resiliency, you settle because you're afraid you can't handle disappointment. You end up feeling anxious and attached and afraid to take risks. And you can't truly have an open, healthy, happy relationship if you're always afraid of loss and disappointment, believing you can't handle it. See, whenever you have somebody that you think is better than you and you've given specialness to, even if you rip them apart otherwise, but you give them that little bit extra, right there, you're already putting yourself in a place of fear of loss of that that intensity. And then I'm not going to be able to survive and I'm going to be so disappointed. That's what you do. Remember, whoever you're seeing is a human being. They're not the last one. They're just human. So I know what you're thinking though that you're petrified of making the wrong move and you don't know how to change that fear. And emotional resiliency, excuse me, resiliency sounds really great, but you just can't order it off the shelf, right? 
Can't call Amazon for that. So maybe I should just be happy with what I have and accept it. <laughs> well, you're right. It's not like ordering it off Amazon. It takes emotional courage. This is old shit. When you look at it from the lens of an adult, you're able to handle it. You think you can't because you couldn't as a child. Now you can. Remember, when you learn how to work with your emotions, you were a kid. You weren't an adult when you learned this. You were a kid. So there was only a you know certain limitation to what a kid can actually handle emotionally. Kids can't handle a lot of shit because they're little kids. So we brought that forward. We're still little kids dealing with things. There's no need for that. Seriously. The more resilient you are, the easier it is. All right, tips. I got three of them. Number one, look at where you're afraid of loss or disappointment. Ask yourself what you believe you can't handle. Identify it. Number two, take a step that's uncomfortable emotionally in the direction of what you don't think you can handle. Start looking for a job if you're afraid of getting another job. And there are a lot of people out there I know. They'll bitch and moan about their job but not do anything about getting a new one. Or start speaking your truth in your relationship. Step by step, you'll see you don't die. Three, keep doing this over and 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 you'll build that resiliency, I promise you. Okay, here's a short recap. Emotionally healthy people are emotionally resilient. It is a trust that you'll be able to handle disappointment and will ultimately be okay. Emotional resiliency and emotional availability go hand in hand. The way you build this resiliency is taking small steps that may lead to disappointment. Each time you see you don't die, you have the courage to do it again. It's a muscle you build. Okay, that call to action one more time. Emotional resiliency leads to making better choices and taking greater risks because you have an inherent trust that you'll survive. You have a universal right, by the way. Yep, you do. You have the right to avoid disappointment because you're afraid you can't handle it. But that leads to settling. If you want emotional freedom, emotional resiliency is key. I've got two related podcasts. Number one, Journey of Attachment, The Disappointment Roller Coaster. Number two, taking, and this is another journey of attachment, taking emotionally risky action. Yeehaw. All right. So you have any questions about this or any questions at all? Go ahead and email them to podcast at tracycrossley.com. I have a Facebook Live I do every Thursday on my coaching page at trace, excuse me, at facebook.com slash transformative coach. And you can tune in right there. It's 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, noon Eastern Time, again, every Thursday. And I answer questions. I answer questions that people post there. I answer questions from the podcast. It's so much easier. And you get a better explanation than you do if I write you back, okay? And if you want to, Take a step into making your relationship with yourself better. Take my course. I have this awesome video course that is so fucking amazing. I can't stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, I, I'm so proud of it. I'm so freaking proud of it. And this is the weird part. It's that I was actually able to put together pretty much what work I have done, you know, with working with other people, but it includes the work that I've done with myself. And I've included meditations and releases and homework and all sorts of stuff so that it's really full. So you get a full experience. And some of the best compliments I've had are people telling me they're in pain as they're doing it, like it's bringing up pain. And that's what it's supposed to do because otherwise that shit's just going to sit there. So I, I just, I'm glad 
that it is because then I know somebody's going to get through that pain and get out to the other side. So anyway, if you're interested, you can find it on my website. And if you would like some email reminders about the podcast, go ahead and uh, go to my website and go to tracycrossley.com slash podcast to sign up and you will get a little email every week about it. Or if you want to be on my big email list, I do send out things like obviously promotions for things that I have coming up along with other good things, right? Like uh, some freebies here and there. I offer a, an anxiety meditation as a birthday gift right now. So if your birthday's coming up, you're going to want to sign up for that list because you get a free meditation. All right, guys, now I'm done babbling and I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. To find out more about Tracy and her podcast, visit tracycrossley.com. That's where you can sign up for her newsletter or a discovery session. The website again is tracycrossley.com.